Good morning. Grace and peace to you. I want to commend everyone for helping out with the uh, Potter commodities here. We have a nice uh, collection of goods, I guess you'd say. We could probably eat on that for two, three months and survive, right? I was just thinking, uh, I'm thankful it's not really hot and humid because of all those chocolate chips up there in the bags. But then on the other hand, we might just have to eat them up, you know. And anyway, thank you very much. Thank you, Don, for the songs. Romans 8.29. Let's just read that first and then we'll talk about our lesson as if you don't know what the lesson's going to be about already. We use this verse a lot and you're familiar with it. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. If you're looking for a purpose in your life, this is it, to be conformed to the image of his son, Christ Jesus. This is God's will for his people. A little background on that, and then we'll talk about it. Of course, in the beginning, we were made in the image of God, were we not? Genesis. And you know, often we say, well, that means we can think, we can reason, we can remember, and all that, which it's true. But that's not the main point of being made in the image of God. The main point of being made in the image of God is that we would exhibit his character in our lives. <coughs> that we would be like God, showing love, compassion, kindness, being morally upright and good. That's the image of God. This is the image that was lost when Adam and Eve sinned and chose to serve the evil one. And so all men and women since that time have sinned and we have not maintained the image of God in its purity and perfection. Every time we sin, the image of God is lost in us. We're not acting like God. We're not being like God. In Christ Jesus, the image has been recovered because he lived a perfect life. Right? So God knowing beforehand all of this, as it says, those who were to be Christ are to be conformed to his image because in being conformed to his image, the image of Christ, we are again being conformed to the image of God, which we were made to be in the beginning. Just a little aside here, John 14, 9, you remember this, it's not on your little list, when uh, Philip was talking with Jesus, and remember he says, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus looks at him and says, Philip, he says, have I been with you so long and you have not 
seen me or whatever. He says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Remember that, John 14, 9. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So what does that tell you? We, we look, you know, we use that scripture to say, look there, Jesus is God. He's God in the flesh. He said, I am, and so forth. And that is absolutely true. But what is he also saying? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is also saying, I am the perfect man that you should be. If you've seen me, you have seen the person that you ought to be. Because I have recovered, recovered the image of God in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Now there's a thought for it. God, man, in one, the perfect image of God, the perfect image of man. This is Romans 8, 29. So the question is, for you and me, and this is what we're going to explore a little bit in this lesson, I say a little bit. How do we know that we are being conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. This goes back to a question I asked a long time ago, and I've never gotten a really good response to it yet. How do we know when we are, what is, what is the measure of Christian maturity? What is the measure? How do we know when we are conforming to the image of Jesus? Did you ever ask that question? How do you know if you're on the right track? Doing, do you look like Jesus on a daily basis or not? You think that's an important question to answer? Individually? In your own life? Because that's God's purpose for you, isn't it? His purpose for me. Well, you can come at this from different ways. This is the way I've come at this. What we have to do is observe what Jesus did and see what touched Jesus' heart. And then we'll know if we're becoming like Jesus. Right? Pretty simple. Simple to see. Not easy to do. So that's what we've got laid out for us here in our lesson, these various events and situations in Jesus' life to see what did he do and what moved him to do it. And would we not say if we are moved by the same things and doing the things that he did, would we not be conformed to his image? And if we weren't doing the things that he was doing and being concerned about the things he was concerned about, that we were separated from his image and not looking like him? I think we can say that. It's kind of, you're awfully quiet this morning. I know we're all soul searching right now and saying, wait a minute, what, what about my life? Where is this, where is he going with this? This is, it's serious. I understand that. 
So let's go to Matthew 9. And uh, you know how the Lord works in your heart and in your mind and opens things up. As I was reading this, this scripture here, Matthew 9 and uh, 10 to 13, I was thinking, you know what? This is just kind of a general, really good general example of what Jesus was all about. Or why he came here. I know we right came to save the lost, seeking to save the lost, yes, but you know, here's here's just the general picture of what his life was about. To show us the Father and to show us ourselves, because that's what he was about, right? Let's read this, Matthew 9, 10 to 13. Then it happened that Jesus was reclining at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I do not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that's why Jesus came, wasn't it? Because of the sinner. He was associating here with the sinners and the outcasts. We remember this. And he was, you know, excoriated for it by the Pharisees because they were the separate ones. You don't go in with those people. You don't get involved with those people. You keep yourself pure and clean. And that's what following God is all about. Jesus just turned that card upside down, didn't he? And dumped it out. He did that because they needed him. They needed a savior. They needed a friend. They needed a teacher. They needed an encourager. They needed a helper. They needed someone to give them direction in life. They were sick. They were sinners. And they needed help. Jesus came to give them the gospel, to show them the love of God. He loved them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's what it's about. So here we are looking at this and Asking ourselves a question. Is this my concern in my life? The sinners, the lost, the troubled, those in need. Is that my concern in life? Am I being conformed to the image of Jesus? Are they on my mind? My neighbors and my friends who don't know the gospel, my people that come along and I have opportunity to help them, they have a need, is that my concern? Do I try to push them away? I say I'm really busy. Let's suggest this. When we are interacting with sinners and those of the world, know that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. 
you know, it's not ex always going to be exactly like we read in here, whatever opportunity or situation God puts before us. But when we're doing that, we're doing what Christ did. And when we have the heart and we want to reach the lost, we're having the heart of Christ, aren't we? Because that's why he came here, because of sinners. And so I look at my own life, and you look at your life, and is this my concern? You know, I know we have other concerns. We have family and jobs, but is this, you know, up there in the forefront as well? And am I, you know, my radar's on all the time, looking and listening for situations and people and those in need, and those who are lost, and those who need Christ. Am I, am I listening for that, or do I have my blinders on? You know, I'm going to the store today, I'm going to the bank today, I'm going to work today, and that's the only thing I'm thinking about. You know, that kind of thinking will kill you. It really will. It'll kill your spiritual growth and your walk with Christ. Because even if I'm going to work, going out to the mall, going down to Respects for Shirley, the first thing on my mind has got to be love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. It's got to be there. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's got to be there. You know, I'm not thinking about it, but that's got to be in me trying to do what God wants me to do, seeking the lost. Turn over a page of Matthew 9 there, 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And I'm going to guess that you run into people like that every week. Somebody's down whom you talk to. Somebody's life's a mess. Something's not going right. Somebody got sick. Somebody's in the hospital. Somebody lost a job. And they're down. They're dispirited. These are opportunities. This is what Jesus saw in people. He saw the effects of sin in people's lives. And that's where this comes from. We've got to see that. All these problems and troubles in people's lives is because of sin in the world, because of the evil one. And we're the ones here to... Fight against that and help people fight against that and understand that in their lives. Jesus here puts teaching the gospel and healing together. People get really down when they're sick especially a chronic illness, something that's recurring, or a terminal diagnosis. Some of you have had been really sick at times and had conditions. And it gets you down, doesn't it? 
you think, are you ever going to get through this? Am I ever going to be healthy again? This is going to consume my life. It's, and we know where that goes. And we have to be aware of that, to offer encouragement to people, to lift them up, to tell them there's hope, to, to pray with them, whatever it is we can do. We, I know we can't heal like Jesus. I know that. And we're, we're thankful for the, the medical community we have and all the good work that they do. But we also have to understand this. Healing is not just about medicine, is it? It's not. It's about the heart. And it's about God. And people still need that encouragement and that hope. And they need a reason to live. They need a reason to live. Is it a terminal diagnosis? Maybe it is. But you know what? That doesn't mean your life is going to be over. Right? It doesn't mean your life is going to be over if you get a terminal diagnosis. Guess what? We all have a terminal diagnosis, right? We are all going to die. So we have to get over it. And Christ helps us get over it. He says, you can live in me. He said, we're studying Wednesday night. If you believe in me, guess what he says? You will never die. Do you believe it? Do you believe it enough to tell somebody else that? To encourage them and say, wait a minute, there's an answer for all this. There's an answer. And his name is Jesus. Let's finish that. Verse 37. When he said to his disciples, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You know, sometimes we see that and we say, oh, you know, that's like a big gospel campaign. That's not what that's about. That's about you and me on a daily basis being ready to tell people the good news. We're not afraid. We're not ashamed. We're focused. We're listening. And we're going to tell people. That's what that's about. That's the kind of people Jesus needs. And he says, pray. Beseech the Lord. Beseech the Lord. We need people like that. And if I'm not that kind of person, we need to pray. I need to pray about me that I'll be willing to be that kind of a person. To go into the harvest. To see those who are in need. To see the sinners. To see the dying. To see the lost. And to give them hope. To give them hope. If you believe in this Jesus, you'll never die. You know, that's the real reality. Did you know that? I know this, this is real, this pew, this, this book, the shirt Rick's wearing, that's real. But it's only temporary, isn't it? You've got to remember that. It's only temporary. The true reality is yet 
to come, that which will never fade away. Wow, what a thing to remember and tell people, right? So when we're ministering to the sick and the distressed and sharing the gospel with those in need and those who are dis dispirited and down and depressed, we are being conformed to the image of Jesus, aren't we? We're doing the same things he did. Okay. Matthew 15. There were a few more pages. 29. Departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up on the mountain, he was sitting there, and large crowds came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I do, not want to, I do not want to send them away hungry for they might faint on the way. This is where Jesus fed the 4,000. You can read the rest of it. But the point is, again, Jesus is concerned about those in need, but here he's concerned about those who are hungry. They've been with me three days, and you know, they probably just had a little bit of scraps in their bag or whatever, and no real nourishment. And he says, I don't want to just send them away. They might endanger themselves. They might faint on the way. They might die. Who knows? Somebody take advantage of them, whatever. You know, we live in a land of plenty, and we absolutely do. We really need to know that uh, we, we've got more than we need. <clears throat> we really do. And, of course, we've got government programs everywhere and food banks and soup kitchens, and we're thankful for all of this. But we still find ourselves with opportunity to give to those in need, don't we? Right up here. Did we have compassion on these children to bring in food for them? You, only you can answer that. We get individual requests. Don handles most of those. But you yourself may run into someone in your neighborhood or at work you know, lost their job, a bad situation, big medical bill, and they're having trouble. Opportunity to be like Jesus. Already three times, I don't know if you noticed in this lesson, we've mentioned the word compassion. It's been in the scripture. Compassion. The Greek word is one which is very difficult to say. That sounds very strange. Splunknitzomai. How about that one? Splunknitzomai. And it means to be moved as to one's inwards. Something ever bother you enough that you got upset inside? 
upset stomach, nervous, angry. That's what we're talking about. Splunknitzomai. Do we have compassion for those in need? Do we have compassion for the lost? Do we feel for them? Do we even see them? Do we have compassion for the hungry? Do we have compassion for the sick? Jesus did. Jesus did. You know, some of this is just getting our minds to start thinking outside our little lives and beyond the walls of our homes and beyond this church building, out there and seeing people and talking with people and having conversation and interacting and just seeing what is going on with them and then not being afraid to act or to speak. So when we are caring about those who are hungry, when we have compassion on those in need, from the heart, we are being conformed to the image of Jesus. We're being like him. We're having a heart like his heart. You know, for some of us, that means a big change. We have to change. Ezekiel, I don't have the scripture there, but Ezekiel talked about the prophet, God through the prophet, talking about a time when he would give us a new heart, give his people a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that could feel, that could be touched by the needs of people. And that's the heart that you and I need if we're going to be conformed to the image of Jesus. All right, let's go to Mark 11. Fifteen. And they came to Jerusalem. He entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, My house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a robber's Den. The chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him. For they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. The Gospel of John records when Jesus did that, he made a whip of cords and used it to drive out the animals that were there. All of this troubled Jesus. Indignation is the word. Righteous anger. These people had ignored the purposes of God's temple and were using the sacrificial system to make money and to corrupt the people and so many other things as well. Today, people ignore the plain truths of God's word. They use their position as a whatever, evangelist, teacher, TV personality to make money off of the gospel. They make a name for themselves. They deceive people. 
I've shared this with you before. Every once in a while when I'm eating lunch, I flip on a couple of those spiritual faith channels. And I can't watch them very long until I get angry. It is so obvious they're just making money. Send us, I'll send, I'll send you the CD. You send me the $100. I'll send you my CD. I'm talking about seed money. You know, send us your seed money and God will bless you in your life. Oh, yeah. This one guy, there's a hundred people listening to me today. The Holy Spirit told me there's a hundred people listening to me today. If you will send in your money, your hundred dollars, God is going to bless you immensely. And it's just like, oh, are you kidding me? Lord, how do you let this guy keep talking? To corrupt people's minds. And then, you know, non Christian might turn that in and say, oh, this is what Christianity is about. And no wonder it gets a bad name. These things should bother you. They bothered Jesus. People were twisting the word of God, corrupting the, the practices, the faith. We need to know the word, to know the truth. We need to stand for the truth. Luke 19, to wrap up, kind of goes hand in hand with the last scripture. This, uh, this always touches me. You know, it kind of takes us back to the, to the first scripture we read there about Jesus was among the sinners and he was being uh, chastised for that by the Pharisees. I, I came to... For the sinners, I, I came to bring them, the lost, to God. Luke records, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. Jerusalem. This great city that was God's city. The capital where the temple was. David, Solomon, and all the kings, the people of God. And he's weeping. And not just for the city. The city stands for the people, but the city's going to suffer too. Saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they've been hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. That would going to happen in about 40 years from when he spoke that, A.D. 70. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And that means they did not recognize him when he came, when God visited, when their Messiah visited. They missed him. And because of that, they were going down. And they were going to lose it all, everything. And he was going to turn to another people. They missed their purpose for existing. They did not know the scriptures. They were under the influence of the world. 
They were to suffer terribly. So the question for you and me is, are we troubled by these things today? By the people who do not know their God, their Savior, who are so attracted to the world and caught up in worldly things, doing things God's way, or I'm sorry, the world's way, and not God's way? Do they trouble us? Do they bother us? Do we see people just rushing to destruction and we just, oh, okay, try to grab anybody by the shoulder and say, hey, wait a minute. I got something I'd like to share with you. Something really good. If these kinds of things trouble you, all we've been talking about, those in need, those who are dispirited, those who are hungry, those who are lost, those who are turning from God, those who are so caught up in the world they can't see anything else, if they trouble you and you're moved to do something about them and you are trying to do something about them, then understand this, then you are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But if we just stand by and watch, we have no compassion on those in need and those lost. We just let them go their way and we just go our way, do our thing, We are not walking in Jesus' steps. To be like Jesus. Not an easy thing to do. Because the first thing you have to do, as Jesus said in so many places, is to get rid of yourself. The old man must die. And boy, it's hard for that old person to die. And he keeps coming back. Are you ready to accept Jesus today? I pray you are. He came for sinners like us, those on the wrong track, those doing the wrong thing, those focused on the wrong thing, thinking there's nothing to life but, you know, eat, drink, have a little bit of fun. That's it. We're here to assist you if you want to obey the gospel. If you're a Christian and your life has not been reflecting the life of Christ, you're not being conformed to his image. There's probably some of that in all of us here today. But maybe you've been way off base. You really need to change. You really need to take these scriptures home and look at them again. And see and ask God, why don't I have compassion on the lost, on those who are troubled, those in need? If you want prayer this morning, we're here to assist you. We'll pray with you and pray for you. If you want to respond this morning, please come while we stand and sing.